Good morning, Moore Tribe. We're so glad you could join us for our version of Church Online. We hope to bring a piece of our home and authentic atmosphere to wherever you are right now. We miss you all and pray blessings over you and your families. We will be posting more on all of our social media and would love for you to follow, watch, and comment to keep us all connected. Lastly, we want to ask you to please give online to support your church. We couldn't do any of this without you. We appreciate your support, your prayers, and the time you've taken to be with us right now. Well, good morning, church. Uh, it's June 21st, and if you're watching this, then that means that uh, you're probably not with us right now in church. We are meeting for the first time again uh, to this morning, 9 and 10.30. We're going to begin to have our services again right here at 5511 Emerald Boulevard West, which is at the intersection basically of Jim Lake Road and Bell, right behind the United. And if you haven't joined us um, before, we just invite you to come and join us live. Truly, the best part of more is, is the people. They're amazing people. They're a great group of people. You'll find a very loving fellowship here. Um, we've been doing this for such a long time now. Actually, in 2020, we've actually had more online church than we've had live church. We've had 13 online services, and we've only had 11 live services before the COVID pandemic hit. Uh, so it's, it's been a little bit of an unusual year, but we are back to meeting regularly, and we just invite you to come. I know that many of you are not here because you still don't feel like it's time. You may feel like it's not safe to congregate again. And we totally understand that. No judgment, just no, nothing but grace. But we do, I do, ask you to please make a commitment to come back to the assembly, come back to the congregation. It's so important. We need you here, and you need to be here. Uh, church, the, the elements of church are so much more than just teaching the word and worshiping uh, worship songs. It's, it's that element of, of interacting with people and learning to love and learning to forgive and learning to dwell with one another. That's why God invented the church. It's a place for us to grow in love and learn to love one another. So we just invite you to come back. Uh, we will keep posting our services online, but I'll tell you this, that the, what you'll be seeing online will not be live. We don't have the technical capability yet to be broadcasting live, but we will, we will record every Sunday service and it will be posted in the following week. So actually, if you're watching online, it will be one week delayed uh, from now on, but there will be services posted and it will be the worship and the preaching and the whole thing. We're, gonna, we're just gonna record the whole thing and play it as is. So before we get into the word this morning, uh, I just want us to pray together and let's just lift up our nation right now that seems to be so divided and there's so many things going on, uh, so much pressure on, uh, on society, on people, and on just life in general. So let's just, let's just go to the Lord. So God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for this congregation of people. We thank you, God, for those that are listening online. And I pray, Father, for safety and for health and for protection over all the people, God, that are... Um, just hearing this this morning. And Lord, we just pray for our nation. 
And we pray, God, that there would be peace in our nation, that there would be uh, stability. We ask, God, that there wouldn't be peace, though, without progress. God, we ask that there could be progress towards having this um, country truly be uh, a country where there's liberty for all men and justice for all. And we pray, Father, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done because we know your kingdom's full of peace. We know your kingdom's full of justice. We know, God, that you know what's best for this society. And we ask, God, that your kingdom would come. And so, Lord, today, this morning, we just thank you, God, that you're here with us. We thank you that you're here to lead us, that you haven't abandoned us. And no matter what the world looks like or how chaotic it seems, we know, God, you're still on the throne. And so we ask, Lord, that your spirit would come and guide us, teach us, let us glean from this message this morning what your spirit would have us learn. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I've been talking for several weeks about reasons for you to get back in church. And, uh, you know, we've talked about the power of forgiveness, the power of restoration, uh, even, even about impartation of the laying on of hands and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All of these things need to be an essential part of the church where we are dwelling with one another and we get to practice forgiveness and we have to, you know, we get to restore people that have fallen and we get to impart the giftings that God's given each one of us. And so it's such an important element that we, we are in it together. Um, today is the final message about reasons to get back in church. And I think I've saved the best for last, or at least the Lord did. And the, today's message is called the power of empathy. Now, empathy is one of those things you may not associate with power, but I just want to tell you that it's very, very powerful um, when it's practiced in the church. Empathy can really um, release power in the church because empathy is something that God is, is God-given. It's something that we as humans can possess that no other part of creation can. And so it's an extremely powerful thing. But before we talk about the power of empathy, I want to lay some groundwork. Uh, and I'll start with a question. And I'll start with the question of what's the number one reason that you're on the earth? What's the number one reason that God created you? Especially for a time like this. God chose your times. He set your boundaries. He, know, he knew when you would be born. He knew everything about your life. And he put you in this world at this time. What's the reason? Well, Jesus explains it. He really does. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. And you know these scriptures, but I'm going to read them anyway. When a teacher came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So the number one reason that we're on the earth, the number one reason we've all been created is to love. God puts us here and, and we're to learn to love. Love one another. Love the people that love us. Love our families. That's easy. But also to love enemies and to love those that don't, aren't like us and maybe even seem opposed to us. God tells us that we're to learn to love, and that's our number one reason that we're on the earth. We, we know this. We've heard so many messages about this. But you know, these scriptures, this Matthew 22, 36 through 40, these familiar scriptures are um, written in such a way that they are not, they don't stand alone. Like loving God doesn't separate itself from loving people or even loving yourself. All three of those commands are really one command. We, we learn that because of the way it's, it's uh, written in the last verse when it says, all the law and the prophets hang on these. 
it's not hang on one of these, it's hangs on these. All three of these are inseparable and they all carry uh, weight as they work together. And I just want you to think about the magnitude of what Jesus is saying. <laughs> and he didn't just say, this wasn't new with Jesus, this love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That's not new. Nine times in scripture, it says this. It's Old Testament, it's New Testament. This is something that Jesus just pulled out of the scripture and he says, if we're gonna boil it all down to what it is to be on this earth and to be a child of God, to be a child of the divine God, it's to love. Love God, love others, love yourself. And the magnitude of that statement is so powerful because what he's saying is to be a child of God, to be a Christian, isn't about sin or the lack of sin. It isn't about what you're for. It isn't about what you're against. It isn't even about having perfect doctrine. That is not required in scripture. He says the thing that's required is love. In fact, if you read scripture carefully, you realize it says what we claim to believe is worthless if it's not exhibited through love. It's a powerful statement. 1 John 4.20, John says this, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister, he's a liar. That's pretty strong words. And whoever does not love his brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. That's just pretty black and white. Really, no explanation needed. He's just saying that if you, if you say you love God and you have problem loving people, you're probably deceived. No, you're not probably deceived. He says you're a liar. It's pretty strong. And so it's inseparable. If we call God Father, then we must be able to call others brothers and sisters. If we can't do that, then we are deceived. And not only that, the Bible goes on and explains love. Great detail, God explains love. In 1 Corinthians 13, he spells it out clearly. And he tells us that love is not just words. He tells us that love is actually an action and it's, and it's in truth. 1 John 3:18, dear children, let us not love with words and speech, but with actions and in truth. He says, really, that love that's just words isn't love at all. You know, the reason is, is because love's not a feeling. Love is an action. And actually, love is a choice. 1 Corinthians 13, like I said, it spells out what love is, but it also spells out what love isn't. In here, that tells us eight different things that love does not do and seven things that love does do. And so we come away from this definition about love and we find out that love is about what we do, not about what we say or even about what we feel. So when that command comes to love God or to love your brother, it involves doing something. It involves not just believing a certain way or saying certain words. It means doing something and doing it. Uh, and also it's an action and it's also about truth. Sometimes the doing is in what we say when we begin to speak the truth. We learned a few weeks ago out of James that there's something called the royal law of Scripture. And the royal law of Scripture is what Jesus said is it's to love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is what we're created to do. We're created to love one another. It's the royal law of Scripture. 
And right now, you know, our country, it's, it's, it's so divided. That, but the church, it, it can't look the other way. You know, if we're really truly to love, it's going to require action. It's also going to require truth. And it's not time to look away. It's not time to say, oh, it's not my problem. I thank God I don't live in a big city where this is just ripping the place apart. You know, the church cannot look the other way. Our job is to love and to empathize with our black brothers and sisters and even with the law enforcement in our country because there's such a divide and because there's so much hatred and division everywhere. And it's the church's job to bring peace. You know, it's our job to have empathy and that means to share their pain and to understand. Galatians 6.2 says this, that we as Christians, as children of God, we're to bear one another's burdens so to fulfill the law of Christ. There it is again, that royal law of Scripture, the royal law of Christ. It's about bearing one another's burdens. You see, love isn't about words. It's about sharing and understanding another people's burdens and feelings. These people that are, are going through this and feel so oppressed and so looked over and, and almost like they're second rate or treated second rate, and then the law enforcement that's out there trying to keep this country safe, and they feel like they, they're having their hands tied and they don't know what to do. And there's an understanding of sharing the burdens and the feelings of these people that they're both in, in, they're both in God's hands. They're both God's children. Our job is not to choose sides. Our job is to have empathy, try to, try to understand. Empathy, it's, it's the ability to understand and to share the feelings of another person. That's what empathy is. But I think sometimes people get it confused with sympathy. It's not sympathy. It's not feeling pity or sorrow for somebody's misfortune. And I don't think that's what anyone uh, in, in the black community wants. I don't think that's what anyone in law enforcement once. They don't want you to feel sorry for them or anything. They just want you to understand or to try to understand their feelings of what is going on. You know, empathy really starts with listening. It's not a sermon or a lecture. It's our ability to understand what people feel. And it's really not about what's right or even what's wrong. Empathy's understanding feelings and where people are coming from. That's our job is God's people. We're to bear one another's burdens so to fulfill the royal law of Scripture, the love, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. We all want to be understood. We all have feelings. We all have emotions. We all get upset. And sometimes we just need someone to talk to. We just need someone to come alongside us and to listen. It's really not about being right. That just really gets all over some people. They want to be right and they want to spout facts, and they want to spout statistics, and it's not about being right. I love what T.D. Jake said. He said, nobody is as right as they think they are, and nobody's as wrong as you think they are. And that is dead on. It's absolute truth. You know, I know at times I've just thought I was absolutely right until I heard the other side of the story. And there's been people that I thought were absolutely wrong until I heard their perspective on how they felt. And it would always change me. Because, you know, knowing and understanding the feelings can sometimes change the way we think. I can tell you, it's just not time for lectures, statistics, or judgment, especially judgment. It's under, you know, it's time for understanding and sharing this, this pain that so many people feel. 
a Rabbi Rosenberg, he, he wrote an article, and it's a great article called The Empathy, that empathy doesn't come with conditions. And in that, he wrote this, that there's a Jewish law regarding visiting a house of mourning which requires the visitor to remain silent until the mourner begins the conversation. You are there to express empathy, not to explain the ways of God to man. Wow, it is so powerful. So powerful. Sometimes having empathy is nothing more than sitting quietly with someone and sharing what they feel. Sometimes it's crying with someone that's had a loss. Sometimes it's just sharing what they're feeling and trying to see their perspective and, and to be there for them. But it's definitely not to start to try to explain the ways of God to man when someone is hurting. There's power in empathy, power in understanding one another. There's power in trying to understand just the feelings that other people have. There's power in refusing to pass judgment because you have some preconceived idea about something or someone, what they're like. I know I've lived long enough in this world to know that I have no idea what it's like to be a black man in America. I don't. And I, I don't have any idea what it's like to be a cop. I don't have any idea what it's like to be gay. I don't have any idea what it's like to be transgendered. I only have an idea of what it's like to be a 65-year-old white man preacher. You know, no one knows what I go through, just like I don't really know what anyone else goes through. I know there's a lot of people, when they talk to me, they think they know what my life is like. They think I, they know what I think like. They think they know what my job is like, but they don't. Just like I don't know what yours is like or what your life is like. So the, the, the story ends with, we just have to refuse, refuse to pass judgment because we don't know what others are going through. But we can learn. And we can learn by listening to understand. That's how we can learn. You have to listen. So whenever I get to a message like this, I always think, I, I, I look at what's going on in the country. I, I feel God stirring in my heart, and I want to address these issues. So you go, God, what can we do? What can we do as a, as a people to bring some sort of uh, stability or understanding at least to our world and I've got action steps I don't do that very often but I have action steps today and I feel like the first thing I want to say that we can do is care we can care <laughs> you know talking to people that are upset taking the time to listen I mean, even if you don't agree with them, and I talk to lots of people, and many times I don't really agree with some of the things they say, but I can tell you this, I can always agree, and they can agree with me, that we can love one another. Even if we disagree, I can say, I can agree with you, and you can agree with me, that we can still love one another. Caring, people can tell it. I've talked to so many different people over the past week, and, and, and just trying to get my understanding to a place where I could talk about this and I feel like that I kind of feel like I know a little bit about what's going on but in talking to my black brothers and sisters I I was I was so moved by some of the things that I heard them say you know whenever I asked about how they felt one told me thank you for caring 
thank you for listening to me. I don't have any safe place to talk about this, and I want to talk about it. You know, just me being there, just like it said, the rabbi said, sometimes just sitting and listening and letting someone pour out their heart is the most empathetic thing we can do. I had someone else that I asked and was talking to a black brother and, and just asking him how he felt and in tears, in tears, him saying, I don't know why they hate us. And it just broke my heart. It broke my heart. But that's how understanding starts. It starts by caring and caring enough to sit down and just listen without passing judgment or pretending that you know something you don't know. The number two thing we can do besides caring is we just need to decide to not define any group by the actions of a few. Now, let me explain it this way. We as Christians get this done to us all the time. And if you're like me, it frustrates you when people are describing Christians as judgmental or uh, narrow-minded or uh, mean-spirited, whatever. Yeah, it happens all the time. I hear it in the press. I hear people in books say it, different things. You know, I don't want to be... I'm sure there's a few Christians out there that are mean-spirited, judgmental, narrow-minded, maybe a whole bunch of them. I don't know. But I, I don't want to be lumped into that. I don't want to be defined by the few. And I don't like it done to me. And so I'm just saying we got to get rid of that kind of mentality. You need to stop defining a whole group of people by a few people. You know, it's been done to gay people. It's been done to priests. I mean, all priests are not pedophiles. 99% of them are just great, great men of God that have given their whole life to serve God. Yet because of the actions of a few, people want to tag a whole group of people as, as something they're not. And it's especially been done to blacks and to cops. You know, whenever people see a cop and they think, oh, you know, he's a racist or he, he doesn't care, he hates blacks or that, you know, I just want to say that kind of thinking is so ignorant and sh so short-sighted. It's untrue. You know, a lot of people don't even know a cop other than what they've seen on TV. And I've known several. There's several in our church. And I can tell you this, without exception, all the cops that I've known are, are men and women of integrity. They, they're, they're, they give their life in this service. I don't know if you know this, but they're not getting rich at that job. Most, most cops I've met are so compassionate. They're generous. They give of their time. They give of their money. They, they give to... Uh, people in need that they run across. They go to great lengths. You know, people talk about, well, cops won't discipline other cops. That's just not even true. At least in our area where I know a number of policemen, I know that the, the leadership in, in our areas of police, they, they go to great lengths to discipline and terminate bad cops. And they do it regularly. If they cease actions that are not uh, in line with what they've trained them to do or how they're trained to act, they're disciplined and even terminated. So to say that that isn't that that's generally true just because a few places it happens that's just that's just we shouldn't define it that way. And I can tell you, you know, Bob Crump who's a good friend of mine and he's the chief deputy at Randall County and I can tell you this, there's no one that cares more about inmates than Bob Crump. I've seen that man cry when bad things happen to inmates. And I just want to say he's he's a compassionate man and a caring man. So generalizing just because of the few is, is bad, bad to do. 
And I just want to say this too. It's, it's really, really bad to do that with black people. You know, a person's black doesn't mean he's a criminal. Yet they're treated like criminals so many times. So many people are afraid of, of black people, black men especially. You know, somehow we, we, we re don't realize that being black in America means that if I walk into a store, I've got to think about my, what I'm doing and the color of my skin. And many, many times they're followed because people automatically have judged, the, judged them as being dishonest or being criminal just because of the actions of a few. And I just want to say that the majority, I've not, I've not, I know a lot of black people, and the majority, uh, I don't, they're all good people. They're just people. Don't deserve to be treated any other way. They should not be defined by the actions of a few people. Get to know people. Try to feel what people feel. Don't act afraid because there's no reason to act afraid. And just learn to trust and to love. That's what we're called to do. The number three action step, I just want to say we're talking about things we can do that you know, will help society and help the church to be better and that is to care and to stop judging people because of a few people's actions. And number three is we need to eliminate racism from our own heart, but then from our home and from our families. It needs to be called out for what it is, and it needs to be eliminated. Now, I don't know about you, but 65 years old, and I grew up through the 60s. I've grown up in all kinds of stuff. And I, for one, and I'm just going to say this, I, 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 don't, I think the N-word needs to go away Forever, I don't hear it anymore from my friends. or I don't hang around anybody that talks like that. But I was camping at the lake a couple of weeks ago, and somebody had rap music on, and I was sitting there, and that word was coming out of that music, and it enraged me. I don't care who's saying it. The word needs to die. It needs to be gone. And I believe that we have to stand up and eliminate it from our home, from our radios, from our families. It needs to be called out and confronted. L.R. Nost writes this. You know, it's not our job to toughen our children up to face a cruel and heartless world. It's our job to raise children who will make our world a little less cruel and heartless. We as parents, we as grandparents, it's our job to set examples, to not let any words come out of our mouth that can give any mixed signals. We need to eliminate racism from ourselves, from our church, from our vocabulary, from our jokes, it's not funny at this time. If you, if you think there's anything funny about this racial tension, then I, I don't think you have a good sense of humor. And I just say we just have to make that commitment to, to deal with it. And number four, I want to say this, that you need to care about each side of these equations. This is, happens to be the one we're in right now, but we face these things regularly. And I want to just say this, and this... For some reason, in the Christian world, we live in such an either-or mindset. And I want to say that that needs to go. Because just because you're for one group of people doesn't mean you're against another group of people. You can be for both groups of people. And that's the way God is, so why wouldn't we be that way? God loves people on both sides of every equation. And that's the way we've got to become. We've got to get rid of this dualistic thinking that because we're sympathetic with one cause, 
that we're opposed to another. And that's just not the way it is. We have both, you know, policemen in our church when we have a number of black people in our church and some of them are the same. Some are black policemen. And, uh, you know, we just love them. They're just people. We're all just the same. And we're all in this together and we need to take action steps to eliminate this stuff from our life and especially from the church. The church should be a safe place for people to be able to talk about the way they feel, talk about their fears and talk about their doubts, even talk about their anger, whatever, without the risk of being scolded or preached at or told they're wrong or, you know, sometimes it's just good to just listen. And the church should be that place and we should make commitments to be that place. But the church cannot be that place unless we individually are that kind of people. We must learn to listen and to try to understand. And if you're a person that wants to make a difference in the world, I just want to say this. God has created church to be a vehicle by which Christians can change their world. You may not notice that, but if you look back over history, it's so many people that have brought societal changes to the world have been Christian ministers and just Christian lay people that have made a commitment to make a change in their own heart, their own life, their own world, and sometimes that ripple effect reach, reaches all the way around the world. If you're a person that wants to make a difference in the world, get in a church and be who God created you to be. Church was designed to be a special place. The world, it may never change. In fact, I'll just say this. The world, it's never going to change. You're never going to go out there and say anything that's going to stop racism. You're never going to go out there and burn enough things down or arrest enough people to stop racism or to stop this stuff. It's, it's the way the world is. The devil has got his hand on the, on the society and he's trying to tear it to shreds. But I can tell you what, you can't get rid of racism, but I've seen time and time again that people will come into the presence of God and God can take a racist heart and turn it into a loving heart. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to create an environment where people can come in here and, and just as they are and lay themselves out before God. And if they have that racist heart, God can get in there and he can change it. We're not going to change it by telling them they're wrong. God will change it by loving them into what he wants them to be. He can turn them into that loving, loving human being that he's wanted them to be. Jesus is the answer. He's always the answer because love is the answer. I don't know if you know that, but in this book it says love conquers all. And that means all. And I believe that with all my heart. Jesus is the answer. Love is the answer because Jesus is love. Let's pray together. God, I just pray for our, just our world again, God, and I pray for our church. I pray, Father, as we come back together as a church, I, I ask, God, that your spirit would be so heavy on us that every spirit that tries to be contrary to your loving spirit, that it would be cast out in the name of Jesus. I ask, God, that everyone listening to my voice today, that they would open their heart to you fully and they would be done with hatred or racism or any kind of faction that's in their heart, God, I pray right now that you could wash it out through the cleansing of your living word, your living water, right now, God. I pray, Father, that your powerful hand 
would come in. And if there's anyone hearing me today that still has that racist heart, I ask God that you begin to massage their heart and just put love inside of it. Just fill it up. And God, I pray for us. We are like sheep without a shepherd, God. We pray for the shepherd to establish us and to lead us, God, to a better place. And we submit to your hand, to your authority, because you are King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hope to see you next week. Well, good morning again, everyone. Um, thanks for joining us again online. And now, if you want to come to church, you can come to church. So um, we're just so excited about it. And I just want to pray over worship. And um, yeah, I just want to... I just want to thank the Lord and just focus in on the things that he's given us through this time um, of being uh, a part and all the blessings that there are in this. And so um, let's just focus our hearts in that place. And God, we just want to worship you uh, today. And we want to thank you for the things that you've given us, God. We thank you for the times with our families. We thank you for um, that. We thank you, God, that we're feeling good and, and for those that are healthy and their families have been healthy, God, and, and the people that have recovered, God, we know so many um, people that have struggled with this COVID thing and, and they've recovered and they're feeling good again. And um, God, we just thank you for all of the many blessings that you bring. And God, through every single thing, you turn it around for our good. And um, God, we thank you that you're bringing us back together and that this time um, can just be a memory. And um, so, Lord, just we want to bring you joy, and we just thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Give and take, snow ascend, it's all the same from far. Summer, we are strong.
the mountain tops The only word that breaks the curse is off Your name the one that covers all It's higher than the other Higher than the other the mountain tops The only word that breaks the curse is all Your name the one that covers all It's higher than the others Higher than the others 
full of pain and wonder I'll say no other name but yours name but yours full of faith and wonder I'll say 